Well, hey, good morning, uh, Abundant Life. It is good to be with you guys today. Uh, if I haven't had an opportunity to meet you yet, my name is, my name is Jeff. And uh, I want to welcome our Sandy and our Vancouver campuses that are joining us, also those of you that are online. And let me be the third person to congratulate you on a surviving snowpocalypse, icepocalypse, whatever it is. Hopefully you had some family time, like sledding, having some hot chocolate, maybe reading a book, something like that. Um, but, uh, but you made it. We, uh, we, last week we started a Christmas series that we have titled, And He Will Be Called. And this series kind of finds us in the midst of the Christmas season. And if it's anything uh, for you like it is for me, I mean, this is just a crazy, crazy season, right? I mean, the month between Thanksgiving and Christmas has got to be one of the busiest months of the year. I mean, there is decorating and baking and putting up lights and getting your Christmas tree, uh, whether it's fake or real, it still counts. Uh, and then there's the Christmas parties, the Christmas parties, more Christmas parties, and more Christmas parties. Uh, I think we had our involvement Christmas party last week, and someone said they had three or four like Christmas parties just in one week uh, to get to. But it is, it's crazy. And then you may have family coming in, or you're going to see family, and then uh, you have all of the traditions, right? The things, the events that you want to do for Christmas. And on top of that, there's the shopping. I mean, the shopping, you probably spend more time at like Costco, Target, Fred Meyer, or on Amazon than all of the rest of the year combined. And in fact, I was at all of those places yesterday. So, <clears throat> but somehow I think what happens is in like the hustle and the bustle of doing Christmas, we tend to lose sight of why we celebrate Christmas in the first place. That almighty, all-powerful creator of the universe, God, entered into our world as a baby in the manger, as the hope of the world. And so our hope is that this series will serve as an opportunity to just hit pause in the midst of doing Christmas so that we can get down to the heart of Christmas, which is about Jesus. You see, 700 years before the birth of Jesus took place, the prophet Isaiah foretold this game-changing moment in history. When he shared these words in Isaiah 9, verse 6, he said, For to us a child is born, to us the son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And you see, names mean something. And Isaiah is reminding us that Jesus was to be much more than just a baby in the manger. In fact, Jesus would have great impact in our world. And what he's sharing with us is some significant names that Jesus would carry. And those names ultimately would reflect who Jesus would become. And so as we celebrate Jesus' birth, as we celebrate this Christmas, I hope that this passage, that this series, would just serve as a reminder to you of who Jesus really is. Last week, Pastor George kicked off the series. He was talking about Jesus as the wonderful counselor. And so today we're gonna to look at Jesus as the mighty God. And when you hear that word mighty, there might be all kinds of, you know, maybe different words or images that come to your mind, but I just wanna share with you a few that came to mind for me. When I think of the word mighty, you might think of like this one. If you go back to the old cartoons, that's Mighty Mouse. You know, his thing was like, here I come to save the day. You know, that was kind of his claim to fame. Big time strength and a small body. And then there's this one. 
That's Superman. So like of all of the superheroes, Superman was the coolest because he had like all of the superpowers. The only thing Superman could not do was hang out around kryptonite. So, and then for the Disney buff, the Disney buff in the room, there's, uh, there's this guy. That's the genie from Aladdin. And uh, if you remember Genie from Aladdin, his, uh, his kind of thing was this idea of phenomenal cosmic power and a itty bitty living space. Uh, but Genie was mighty, he was powerful. And then there's this image right here. <clears throat> so that is a strong baby right there. So when we hear the word mighty, we think of words like power and strength and strong. And you see the biblical word that is used for mighty God comes from the Hebrew words, two Hebrew words, El, which is translated God. It means like strength or strong God. And then there's the word Gabor, which is translated mighty, but it's kind of like reinforcing the strength of God. It's the idea of like a mighty strength. And what Isaiah is communicating to us is really this biblical word, this theological word of omnipotence which is translated as all-powerful. You see, what Isaiah is claiming is that Jesus was in fact God, but not just God, that he was all-powerful, almighty, omnipotent God. You see, this is no ordinary baby that we celebrate at Christmas. This is God himself stepping into our world and breathing our air and putting skin on. Another commentary translates this idea of mighty God as hero God. I like that one. Think about that. Jesus is the hero God, the rescuer, the redeemer, and the savior. Paul tells us in Colossians 2 verse 9, for in Christ lives all of the fullness of God in a human body. In other words, everything that God is can be found in Jesus. But I have to be honest. There are times in my life where I have maybe struggled with or doubted the mightiness of Jesus in my life. That I've doubted and asked maybe questions like, Jesus, are you really mighty enough to save me in this situation? Jesus, are you really mighty enough to carry that burden for me? I imagine if we were able to have a conversation over a cup of coffee that that maybe you have wrestled with that as well. Is Jesus really mighty enough to make a difference in our life? You see, I think it's easy for us to see him as maybe a a loving father, as maybe a a convenient companion, a a close friend, uh, maybe a wise counselor. But this idea of Jesus being mighty, we wrestle with, can he really make a difference in my life? And you see, I think what happens is when we doubt Jesus' strength, then what we do is we tend to rely on our own strength. And when we do that, we miss the power of God in our lives. And so what I want to do is I want to take some time this morning to go look at the Bible. And what does the Bible have to say about Jesus as the mighty God? And so I want to look at a story that's found in the book of of Luke. It's found in chapter 5. If you want to follow along in your Bible, you can do that. Or you can follow on the screen or in your notes. And just to kind of set up the story a little bit. Jesus was teaching in a home, and up to this point in his life, he had performed many miracles already, and so the word was out about Jesus. And so whenever he showed up somewhere, he attracted a crowd. People wanted to see what he was going to do next. And so this particular house that he's teaching in is packed with people. And we pick up the story in verse 18, and it says this, Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus. 
but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Now, this is one of my favorite stories in all of the Bible. So here's what's going on. You have this paralyzed guy and he has some buddies, some friends, and his friends are willing to do whatever it takes to get their friend healed. And so they're looking for a miracle in their life. And the word was out about Jesus, that Jesus had performed miracles. And so these guys are determined to get their paralyzed friend to Jesus. And who knows, maybe it was a last ditch effort. It was a last resort. They may have been dragging him around on his mat from town to town to town, uh, asking, checking in with doctor after doctor, trying to find a solution. But they were determined to get him to Jesus. But the house is packed. There is, that people are flooding out the front door. You can't get them in the front door. But that's not a problem for these guys. You see, these guys go into full-on MacGyver mode to try to figure this out. And I got to imagine like one of his friends is like, I got an idea. Let's take him up to the roof. And probably like the other friend is like, that is an awesome idea. Let's do it. And then there's got to be the guy in the mat that's just like, whoa, whoa, guys, you're going to do what? But that's what they do. They take him up to the roof and they start picking apart at the roof. Now imagine this. Jesus is teaching inside the house. The house is packed full of people. Everybody's leaning in. It's just about to get good. And all of a sudden, pieces of the roof start falling in. And then a hole opens up. And this paralyzed guy is lowered down right in front of Jesus. And you see, here's the principle. Change comes when we encounter the mighty God. Change in our life comes when we encounter the mighty God. You see, these friends knew that if there was going to be a change in this guy's life, that he needed an encounter with the mighty God. Some of you here today, you know that to be true because you have had an encounter with the mighty God and he has changed your life. That you have found hope. You maybe have found freedom from addiction. You maybe have found healing in your marriage. You have found healing from pain because you have had an encounter with a mighty God. And I could line you up on stage and you could share story after story after story of how an encounter with the mighty God has changed your life. But some of you have had that encounter with the mighty God because somebody risked doing whatever it took to get you to Jesus and they would not give up on you because they understood the truth of this passage that Paul shares in 2 Corinthians five seventeen, where it says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And you see, when we encounter the mighty God, that's what he does is he changes our lives. He makes us new. But here's a question for you. Who in your life do you know right now who needs an encounter with the mighty God? Who in your life do you know just needs, they they need healing of some kind in their life. They need an encounter with the mighty God. They need a change in their life. You see, Christmas services are coming up here at Abundant Life in just a couple of short weeks. And it's one of the few times out of the year that people are actually open to the idea of God and the idea of going to church. And so I wanna encourage you that maybe you need to be like one of the friends in the story. Who do you need to be that kind of friend to? The kind of friend that will do whatever it takes to get their, their friend, their neighbor, their coworker to experience an encounter with God. And maybe the first step is simply bringing them to church. So who do you need to walk across the street and just knock on a door or maybe call up on the phone or shoot a text 
or hand out an invite card, or maybe you just roll by in your car and just say, hey, come on, load in. You're coming with me to church this Christmas. To make it really practical, I, I put in your notes just a, a blank there with a question. Who will I invite this Christmas? I want to encourage you as you think about somebody to write it down. Who do you know? Because you believe, you know, you've experienced it, that change comes, happens in your life when you encounter the mighty God. Back to the story. These friends, they lower their buddy down through the roof to encounter Jesus. And then I want you to see how Jesus responds. In verse 20, it says, Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law said to themselves, Well, who does he think he is? That is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And when you underline that phrase, seeing their faith. This is a little bit of an aside, but, but you see, Jesus is always moved by faith. Whenever you take a step of faith, Jesus acts. And Jesus recognized their faith and he acted. He responded. You see, what faith is, it's that trust in Jesus. It's the active ingredient to a growing spiritual life. But then notice how Jesus does respond. You see, Jesus does not respond in the way that this guy was expecting, in the way that this guy was hoping for, or in the way this guy wanted. Instead, you see, this guy's came to Jesus. He's looking for healing. He's looking for a physical healing. He's paralyzed. He wants to walk. And Jesus does not heal him at first. Instead, what Jesus does is he forgives him of his sins. And I he kind of throws him a curveball, and, and I, the best way I can illustrate maybe the feeling of that is if you can remember back to, you know, Christmas morning when you were a kid. And Christmas morning, it's like you wake up, you're super excited, you want to go and unpack the presents and, and see what's under the tree, but before you can do the presents, you got to go unwrap the stocking. And you have high hopes that in that stocking is going to be like toys and candy and gift cards and like fun stuff. But as you begin to unpack the stocking, you discover there's things like socks, underwear, and a toothbrush. <clears throat> and I got to imagine this guy is feeling that way. It's like, wait, 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 wait. That's not what I came for. That's not what I wanted. That's not what I expected. And have you ever felt that way about Jesus? That you were expecting him to do something in your life. You were hoping and praying that, that God would act in a certain way. And he doesn't answer your prayer the way that you wanted him to. But maybe what God did is he provided you what you needed, not what you wanted. And you see, that's the principle here is that the mighty God knows my greatest need. He knows my greatest need. I think it's easy for us to think what we need most from Jesus. You see, we believe what we need most from Jesus maybe is physical healing or relational healing or marriage healing, or financial healing, or some other kind of healing in our life. But really what we need most is forgiveness. We need spiritual healing. We need to be restored to our relationship with God. And you see, what Jesus does is he addresses this man's spiritual condition first. And you may be here today, and you may be healthy and well. You may be sick. You may be struggling with an addiction. You may be experiencing some kind of pain, maybe paralyzed. But the one thing that all of us have in common is every one of us in the room has a need for forgiveness from the mighty God. We have a need to be restored to our relationship with God. Now, I think it's important to note the religious leader's objection to what Jesus is saying. 
You see, they begin to question Jesus and they're asking, you know, who is this? Who does this guy really think he is? Because only who can forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. Only God can forgive sins. And I think it's important to note here, you see, only God is mighty enough to forgive sins. Only the mighty God can meet the deepest and greatest need that we have in our life, the need for forgiveness. And so what Jesus is doing is he's actually making a claim to indeed be the mighty God who is capable of meeting the deepest and greatest need that we have in our life, the forgiveness of our sins. Paul says in Colossians 1 verses 13 and 14, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who is Jesus, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. You see, the mighty God knows our greatest need. But the story goes on in verse 22. It says, Jesus knew what they were thinking. He knew the, the religious leaders were doubting them and him and questioning him. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say that your sins are forgiven or to stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the son of man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And so what Jesus does is he challenges the religious rulers with a question. He says, what is easier? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or is it easier to heal a paralyzed man? I mean, think about that. The obvious answer is it's easier to say that your sins are forgiven because you, don't, you can't see that. You can't prove that. You see, if you claim that you're able to heal a paralyzed man, then you have to show that. You have to back that up. You have to prove it. But if Jesus has the power to heal physically, then he would also have the authority and the power to forgive sins. So what does Jesus do? He heals the paralyzed man of his paralysis. He tells the man, stand up, pick up your mat, go home on your own two feet. And Jesus proved his power to forgive through his power to heal. See, Jesus did all kinds of miraculous things in his time on earth. I mean, he healed sick people. He cast out demons. He calmed storms. He even rose, raised people from the dead. And all of the physical miracles that Jesus performed spoke to one incredible truth. And that's this. Jesus is the mighty God who is mighty to save. He's the mighty God who is mighty to save. 1 Timothy 1.15 says, this is a trustworthy saying. In other words, we can trust this and everyone should accept it that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then Jesus said of himself in Luke 19 verse 10, for the son of man came to seek and save those who were lost. You see, Jesus is the mighty God and he showed us what God was like, but he was on a rescue mission to save all of mankind of our sins, to save you and I of the destruction and the brokenness that is caused as a result of the sin and the failures and the wrong things that you and I do and to restore us back to a relationship with God. But you see, only the mighty God would be mighty enough to do that. Only the mighty God would be mighty enough to save. And only the mighty God would step towards the cross on our behalf and endure its pain. See, Jesus was a miracle worker and he saved his very best miracle for last when he willingly went to the cross and he endured the nails that pierced his wrists, his hands and his feet, the crown of thorns that pierced his head. He endured the ridicule and the shame as he willingly gave up his life on the cross, taking all of the sin of the world, your sin and my sin upon himself, paying a debt that we could not pay in our lifetime 
so that we could have hope, a new life, and be restored to our relationship with God. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. And Jesus is the mighty God who is mighty enough to save even you. So how do we respond? How do we respond to this mighty God? Well, I think we take some clues from how they responded in verse 25. It says, immediately as everyone watched, the man jumped up, he picked up his mat and he went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe and they praised God explaining that we have seen amazing things today. You see, the end of this story is nothing short of a miracle. It defied all of the laws of nature. This man who was paralyzed, maybe has never taken a step in his entire life, stands up, picks up his mat, and he goes home running, jumping, skipping, whatever he does, he did it on his own two feet. After experiencing forgiveness from the God of the universe who had changed his life. So how do we respond? The first thing we do is we acknowledge Jesus as the mighty God. We simply acknowledge that Jesus is in fact the mighty God. See, underline that phrase, everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe. There was a sense of awe that we have just experienced, witnessed God at work. You see, they had just come face to face with the mighty God. They had just experienced this incredible, awesome power, ability to heal and ability to forgive sins. I think the wise men in the Christmas story also acknowledge this reality about Jesus. You see, in Matthew 10, verse 11, on the first Christmas, it says, when the wise men saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And you see, they bowed down, they worshiped, and they gave. They acknowledged that Jesus is the mighty God. As I've been preparing for these, this message over the last couple of weeks, I have encountered just some challenges in my own life that's caused me to just kind of shift how I approach God in my prayer time. One of those is I've just learned that I, I may have a mild eye condition that may be a result of just having diabetes for a long time, most of my life. And I'll be honest, it's just a little bit, little bit scary. And so what I've done is in this week is I've just, I've began to approach God as the mighty God. And I've just kind of changed the way in my prayer time that I go to God and just say, mighty God, I need your help. Mighty God, I need your healing. Mighty God, I need your wisdom. And my challenge for you is that maybe this week that you put that into practice, that you just try it for a week as you go and pray and talk to God, however you address God, that you would approach him by just using that phrase, mighty God. Acknowledge that Jesus is the mighty God and then see how it changes the way you view God in your life this week. One of the things that it's done for me is it's just reminded me that Jesus is mighty enough to be working in my life. So we acknowledge Jesus as the mighty God. The next thing we do is we praise Jesus for the mighty work that he has done in my life. You see, the next thing that those who witnessed uh, Jesus at work here as the mighty God is they praised him, explaining that we have seen amazing things today. 
You see, they had, they witnessed the mighty God at work. They witnessed the mighty God forgiving sins. They witnessed the mighty God perform an incredible healing. They witnessed the mighty God change a life. And then they praised him for what they had seen. When was the last time you praised God for the work that he has done in your life? See, where have you seen the mighty God at work in your life? Just think about it. What are the things that you have seen the mighty God do? And as you think about it, that you would praise him for it. You see, has Jesus forgiven you of your sins? If he has, praise him for it. Has Jesus rescued you from your past and given you a new life? Praise him for it. Has Jesus given you freedom from an addiction? Then give him praise for that. Has Jesus restored or healed your marriage? Then give him praise for that. Has Jesus healed or mended your broken heart? Give him praise for that. Has Jesus comforted you in a time of grief? Give him praise for that. Has he given you a new life? Then praise him for that. Has Jesus given you hope for your future? Praise him for that. Has Jesus healed you? Then praise him. Praise Jesus for the mighty work that he has done in your life. What I wanna encourage you to do this week is that you would begin approaching, acknowledging Jesus as the mighty God, and then you would take some time this week, maybe whether it's in the morning or as you close your day, and just reflect, what has the mighty God done in my life? And you'd praise him for it, thank him for it. Just like, mighty God, I'm thankful that you forgave me of my sins. You maybe start there. And then the third thing we do, is we surrender to Jesus as my mighty God. That we hand over the controls of our life, that we let go and we let God. That you would surrender your life to Jesus as the mighty God. And maybe for some of you, you're here and you've never taken that step before. That you're just like, I wanna be the captain of my own ship. I wanna drive my own life. And, and you have never surrendered to the mighty God before. I wanna encourage you maybe today is you just need to let go and surrender to Jesus as the mighty God because he is mighty enough to save you. He's mighty enough to save you from your past. He's mighty enough to save you from your guilt. He's mighty enough to save you from your brokenness. He's mighty enough to give you a new life. You see, Jesus is the mighty God. He's mighty enough to make a difference in your life. But you have to let him in. You have to let go. You have to surrender to him. And what you need to know is that Jesus has more grace in his heart than you and I have sin in our past. And you can't fix your own brokenness on your own. Because if you could, you would have done it already. There's only one who's mighty enough to do that. And his name is Jesus. It says in Acts 4, 12, that there is salvation in no one else, in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And that name is Jesus. Jesus is the mighty God and he's mighty enough to save even you. And if you're here today and you have never surrendered your life to Jesus, I wanna invite you to do that. I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna invite you to pray with me, but I'm gonna ask you to pray out loud. And I'm asking you to pray out loud for a reason because we talked about faith a little bit earlier. It's kind of that active ingredient where God moves. And so you, by verbalizing your surrender of God, by you praying out loud, it's like taking a step of faith. It's like making a commitment. It's that act of surrender to Jesus. And so I'm gonna invite you to pray with me out loud. But those of you that maybe have pray, prayed a prayer of surrender to Jesus before, I'm gonna invite you to pray as well out loud. 
One, to support those maybe that are praying for the first time, but two, as a recommitment of your own life to surrender to the mighty God. So would you pray with me? Jesus, mighty God, I acknowledge that you are mighty enough to save me. And I need your power in my life. I need your forgiveness. Forgive me for living my life my own way. Come into my life. Today, I surrender my life to you, the mighty God. And I'm trusting you as my Lord and my Savior. Amen.